partner with Arnold Golden Gregory and co-chair of AGG's data privacy practice. I'm located in the firm's Washington, D.C. office. Welcome to our podcast series, AGG Talks Background Screening. Our podcasts feature AGG colleagues and guests discussing business and legal issues and developments related to the background screening industry. I'm here today with Aaron Doyle, an associate in our data privacy practice and also a member of AGG's background screening industry team. Today, our episode will focus on ban the box and fair chance hiring laws. Aaron and I will discuss the federal Fair Chance to Compete for Jobs Act, as well as some key changes with respect to fair chance and ban the box laws at the state and local level. We'll also talk about regulatory enforcement efforts. So Aaron, welcome and let's get started. Let's start at the federal level. The Federal Fair Chance to Compete for Jobs Act, which was enacted back in 2019, took effect on December 20th, 2021. What can you tell us about this law? To which employers will it apply? And what will it require of those employers? Thanks, Kevin. I'm excited to be here today to join you for this conversation. So starting with your first question, the Fair Chance to Compete for Jobs Act applies to federal agencies and federal contractors with certain exceptions. So with respect to federal contractors, the law does two things. First, it prohibits covered federal agencies from requesting criminal history information from individuals or sole proprietors who submit a bid for a contract before the agency has determined the awardee of the contract. And then the second thing the law does is it requires federal agencies to prohibit federal contractors from requesting the disclosure of criminal history information from an applicant for a position that is related to work under a federal contract until the contractor makes a conditional offer of employment to the applicant. Okay, and Aaron, you mentioned exceptions. How does the Fair Chance to Compete for Jobs Act address exceptions to its restrictions on when criminal history information can be considered when it comes to federal contractors? So with respect to federal contractors, the law includes exceptions for individuals who are hired under a contract to access classified information, as well as for individuals who have sensitive law enforcement or national security duties. It also provides for the General Services Administration to promulgate regulations that include additional exceptions. And the law mentions examples of the types of positions that the administration should consider exempting. And in those examples, it includes positions that involve interactions with minors, access to sensitive information, or managing financial transactions. And that applies in the context of federal contractors, which can have a broad reach. But at the state level, the laws can reach even more broadly into the private sector. What are we seeing at the state level in terms of ban the box and fair chance hiring developments there? Yeah, so at the state and local level, uh, this isn't an exhaustive list, but just to name a few of the major developments we've seen this year, Louisiana and Maine both passed their first ban the box fair chance laws aimed at private employers. And then in addition, Illinois and at the municipal level, Philadelphia and New York City pass laws to amend their pre-existing ban-the-box laws. And what sort of approaches are, are the states and localities taking in these new laws or these revised laws, as the case may be? Yeah, at a high level, 
starting with Louisiana, the Louisiana law prohibits employers from considering arrest records, and it requires them to conduct an individualized assessment. The main law prohibits employers from inquiring about criminal history on the initial job application. The Illinois amendments require the employer to conduct an individualized assessment, and they impose an adverse action notice requirement on employers. And then significantly, the Illinois amendments also create the potential for aiding and abetting liability, meaning that third parties, such as CRAs, for example, could be held liable for an employer's violation of the Illinois Fair Chance Act. Uh, And then moving on to the Philadelphia amendments, those expressly allow employers to inquire about a pending criminal charge against a current employee if the employer meets certain conditions. And the amendments also expand the Philadelphia law to cover independent contractors and gig workers. And you'd also mentioned New York City. I know the New York City amendments in particular have sparked uh, quite a bit of discussion in the industry. What's changed in New York City this year? Yes. So the New York City Commission on Human Rights has updated its legal enforcement guidance in connection with the New York City Fair Chance Act amendments. And it is in these updates that we saw a pretty significant change. So the updated guidance now states that employers must implement a bifurcated background screening process. This means that employers must first receive any non-criminal background check reports, which could contain, for example, education verification checks or employment verification checks. The employer must then evaluate that non-criminal background check make a conditional offer of employment if it so chooses, and then and only then may the employer receive and evaluate criminal background check reports. So the guidance goes on to say that if an employer's background check vendor cannot produce bifurcated reports, the employer must establish an internal bifurcation process, whereby decision makers only access criminal history reports after a conditional offer of employment has been made. The guidance also goes on to specifically address driving abstracts or motor vehicle reports, and it recognizes that driving abstracts may contain criminal history information, so it requires that driving abstracts, like all criminal history reports, only be reviewed after a conditional offer of employment has been made. Bifurcation requirements are sometimes a challenge to implement, but in addition to those bifurcation requirements, Are there any other changes in the updated New York City guidance that you want to highlight? Sure. So there's one more update that I'll discuss, and that is the guidance now includes a statement that says employers should omit mention of a criminal background check when seeking an applicant's authorization for a background check prior to the conditional offer. And the guidance goes on to say that employers, instead of using the term criminal background check, they should instead use terms like consumer report or investigative consumer report in their authorization documents. And so this is significant because it impacts the terminology that employers can use in their disclosure and authorization forms to the extent that those forms are provided to applicants prior to the extension of the conditional offer. So another potential compliance point for organizations doing screening in New York City that are subject to that ordinance, there may be a need, depending on how they've structured it, to revise their disclosure forms, either specifically for New York City or nationally, 
depending on how they're approaching their compliance program. That's certainly something. So thank you for that. Looking ahead to next year, what might employers and screeners expect in the way of enforcement activity? Any indications of what we might see there? Sure. So in California, we seem to be seeing a renewed emphasis on enforcement as well as education of employers. So for example, in October of this year, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing announced that it is conducting mass searches of online job advertisements to look for statements that violate the California Fair Chance Act. The department mentions two examples of noncompliance statements. And the first example is a statement that includes the phrase, no felons. The second example is a statement that includes the phrase, must have clean record. So the department has already sent notices to more than 500 employers whose noncompliant job advertisements showed up in these mass searches that they conducted. So that's the enforcement side in California. And then on the education side, the same department in California, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, has released a Fair Chance Act compliance toolkit, and it's available on their website. It includes a compliance guide, sample forms, a tool that individuals can use to report suspected violations. And then the toolkit is expected to be supplemented by a mobile application that will be available sometime next year. California's sweep portion of this that you mentioned appears to be focused, at least to start, on California Fair Chance Act restrictions on references to criminal history and job advertisements and postings. Are we seeing any enhanced enforcement activity elsewhere? with respect to the use of background checks in a manner that the regulators believe is a violation by the employer or prospective employer? Yeah. So in New York City, we have definitely seen not necessarily an uptick, but certainly a continuation of Fair Chance Act settlements. The settlements generally deal with employers who have mentioned criminal history and job postings or on job applications or the other kind of bucket of enforcement actions that we've seen deal with employers who have failed to conduct or failed to thoroughly conduct an individualized assessment of the Article 23A factors when considering criminal history records. So this past year, for example, the largest penalty for a fair chance law violation in New York City was $60,000. That case was for non-compliant statements in job advertisements and on job applications. You'd mentioned, Aaron, that Illinois and New York City have provisions in their laws which provide for potential aiding and abetting liability for parties such as CRAs that may be assisting employers with the applicant screening process. What are we seeing around that? So, To date, I'm not aware of any enforcement actions that have been brought against background screeners, either of those jurisdictions, so in New York City or in Illinois. But the potential certainly exists for background screeners to be held liable for aiding and abetting employers in violations of the fair chance laws in those jurisdictions. Certainly in New York City in particular, the legal enforcement guidance that I mentioned earlier expressly mentions CRAs as a type of organization that could be found liable for aiding and abetting. You know, New York City and Illinois still continue to be jurisdictions of particular concern for background screeners that they want to keep their eyes on. Thanks, Aaron, for that. 
And this area of law, obviously, is continuing to develop with more states and localities adopting fair chance and ban the box laws and ordinances or revising laws that they've already had on the books. And usually when they do that, it's imposing additional requirements and restrictions on employers that employers and screeners should continue to monitor for developments in the jurisdictions relevant to their operations. Compliance, of course, is not a one-size-fits-all solution in many cases for these laws because notice, individualized assessment, and timing requirements can vary. There are also other unique features, as you mentioned, Aaron, where under some of these laws, such as the New York City bifurcation requirements, there are additional considerations that need to be taken into account. Aaron, I want to thank you for joining me today. We hope uh, our listeners find this discussion to be informative. If you have any questions or if you'd like to submit uh, your feedback or suggested topics for future podcasts, please feel free to reach out to, to Aaron or to me. Future podcast episodes will be distributed through our AGG website and social media pages. You can find our contact information on agg.com. Thank you again for joining us today. 